You're listening to Eureka on Monocle Radio, brought to you by the team behind The Entrepreneurs, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies, and fresh ideas in global business. I'm Tom Edwards. On this episode, we're saying Kampai. Yes, we're talking about sake. Hector Butler and Matt Brunel were introduced to the drink during their time living and working in New York City, when they stumbled upon a pretty hidden away, dimly lit neighborhood bar in Brooklyn. That's where they fell in love with sake. So much so, they even tried to brew their own. After some less than successful attempts, Matt and Hector realized they had to travel to Japan to truly understand the drink. There, they learned more about sake's rich history, the craftsmanship involved in the brewing process, and they began to explore the complexity of its flavors. And don't worry, they did make time to enjoy plenty of samples along the way. So how easy is the journey from enthusiastic consumer to authentic creator? And how do you distill all the rich culture and complexity of sake into a product that will sparkle, even for someone with no prior knowledge of the drink at all? Well, here are Hector and Matt with more on the journey to create the world's first sparkling sake spritz in a can, Shima. Shima is kind of love letter to sake. We make canned sake spritzes. We have three flavors we launched about a year ago. And really at its heart, yeah, it's just about our sort of passion for sake and making it a little bit approachable for a Western audience. We spent a bit of time in Japan and one of the sort of most surprising things to us is where sake is quite sexy and cool here in the West, you know, a bit of an unknown sort of drink. There it's what your sort of grandparents drink. The young are drinking beers and whiskey and things like that. So we wanted to appeal to a new generation of sake drinkers, whether they have been familiar with the drink or whether they were completely new to it. And then hopefully give them a bit of confidence next time they might be at a restaurant that has sake on the menu to be like, you know what, might be a bit expensive, but I'll give it a whirl because I enjoyed that Shima Spritz. Matt and me were at university in the US. That's where we met down in Georgetown. And we did the classic route of having graduated there, moved up to New York and living the very cliched Brooklyn fairy tale, earning no money and having a sort of box apartment. We sort of stumbled across sake because we noticed on our exploring the area that these craft sake breweries sort of popped up. I mean, we merely scratched the surface, but we really fell in love with it whilst we were there, the sort of range, choice, depth. And then fast forward about two months, I'd visit Matt and his apartment. There's sort of buckets and vats and things all around the place, and I'm going, uh-oh, what's going on here? And he's brewing his own sake. Sake is, people call it rice wine. It's definitely much closer to a beer in its brewery process. But you're basically taking rice, you're polishing it down, polishing it till it's uh, much smaller, which removes some of the protein around the outside. So generally, the more expensive sake is the ones that are even more polished, so it'll have a polishing ratio on the back. At its core, you're really taking koji, which is this mold, and that is breaking down the rice into sugars, which then the yeast can turn into alcohol. So that's the, the parallel to the brewery process of beer. It's interesting because you're getting flavor from the koji, but you're also getting flavor from the yeast. You're also getting flavor from whether you're using hard water or soft water. So there's a lot of different layers, and this is why, especially in Japan, different regions you know, will be famed for having very soft water. Different breweries will have different koji, different yeasts. So this all influences the flavor of the sake. I mean, the first thing we realized was making sake is monumentally difficult, but actually managed to turn out a few batches that were passable. So it's 
making this sort of homebrew sake and it actually tasted pretty good. It was just an interesting kind of fun way to really dig a little bit deeper into sake. You know, we just really found it was an underappreciated drink, especially coming back to London, where I think the New York, not just for sake, but for a lot of drinks, it's generally a few years ahead. And we definitely felt that was true with sake. So we sort of moved back to the UK and, you know, moving back to the UK, realized that there's a lot less sake available and kind of thought, okay, there's maybe an opportunity for us to do something interesting here. We did a bit more digging and quite quickly realized our naivety in thinking that we could probably brew sake at large scale was a pretty silly idea. So we took us a step back to try and see why sake hadn't taken off like other drinks have, like the gins and tequilas and, you know, so many other types of drinks have had a sort of renaissance and why sake was still, we sort of joke about it being the drink that everyone's heard about but knows absolutely nothing about. And so we sort of saw that there's obviously scarcity of the product in the market here in London or in the UK. Price point, because you find it in restaurants, is obviously pretty high. It puts off a lot of people. And there's still so much confusion around it. And, you know, sake can be clear, it can be cloudy. People often think it's a spirit. It's technically closer to a beer. It's often called a rice wine. There's so many areas where it can be confused for people, especially first-time tryers. And so this idea of a sake spritz really came about of so trying to create a product that excited people, but also brought people into the sake category. We wanted to make it accessible in terms of format, but also price, but then also pairing it with interesting flavors that sort of pique a bit of curiosity in the consumer. The bit I think we've always enjoyed the most is the recipe development, new product development. It's really the fun bit. We worked with an amazing recipe developer called Robin Honhold. He'd been very high up in the kind of lion group of bars, which are consistently ranked the best bars. Working with him, we always set out with this idea of, okay, we want to pair one traditional British flavor and one traditional Japanese flavor and find the crossover between the two and using sake to sort of blend it to create this backbone for a drink, which is how we landed on our first drink, which was plum and hibiscus. So using... Japanese ume plums, which are a really iconic ingredient in Japan, but also using damson plums, which are, you know, obviously a really iconic ingredient in England as well. So we had this sort of crossover using both of these types of plum. There's so many different combinations out there and you have so many wacky ideas. And for me, at least, you know, it'd be before I was about to go to bed and I'd be like, ooh, maybe persimmon and shiso leaf or something. <laughs> you know, then you have to get into the slightly more boring stuff as well. we've got to source this. Is it going to be viable? Does it taste good together? But Robin was fantastic, held our hand a lot throughout the process. Shima wouldn't be here without Robin and his expertise and his great ideas. We didn't obviously want to just pigeonhole ourselves into a drink just catering to first-time sake drinkers. We wanted to create a sort of fun, contemporary, new sort of way in which sake can be enjoyed. Well, we'll certainly raise a glass to that. That was Hector Butler and Matt Brunolt, the co-founders of Shima. You can find out more by heading to shimadrinks.com. And that's all for this episode of Eureka. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out for the entrepreneurs in the meantime, coming your way every Wednesday. Eureka was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Jack Dewars. Cheers to them as well. Listen again and find out more at monocle.com or follow us and catch up with the archive via your preferred podcast platform. And if you want to get in touch with the team, email Laura 
on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye, and thanks for listening to Eureka.